The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. British recording engineer Andy Jackson is best known for his work with Pink Floyd. He began working with the band in 1980, assisting in the recordings for The Wall and the band's studio album The Final Cut. He became their primary engineer, beginning with a momentary lapse of reason and then The Division Bell. He has worked extensively with both Roger Waters and David Gilmour. I was instructed not to ask Andy anything about the current politics going on with the former bandmates, including Roger Waters' reworking of The Dark Side of the Moon. Now, Andy has his own solo project to talk about and more, as I've got Andy Jackson on the line right now from the UK. Andy, greetings, sir. Welcome uh, to the program. I've long wanted to talk to you about uh, the work you've done over the years, and and now you have this uh, solo album, 12 Half Steps. Congratulations, first of all. Thank you very much. Uh, Where does the title come from? It's the 12 musical notes. So, I mean, uh, any any musician will be familiar with this. Each one is a half step from the previous one. Um, So the if you play up the notes on a piano, either the white notes or the black notes, in sequence, depending where you start, you get a different pattern. Um, And many musicians will be very familiar with this. It's 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 the modes. And... The whole album is an exploration of that, so it's one in each of the modes, um, which was a sort of, it was just an idea that I thought this would be really interesting to explore. Um, and in thinking of a title, it was an obvious one. And you can obviously see there's a gag in there as well, of uh-huh. 12 steps and 12 half steps. So it's just something, you know, if it's an instrumental, you've got to think of a title. It hasn't got a lyric, so <laughs> that was as good as any to hang it on, so... I like that. Uh, is that something you worked on between working with other artists? Well, I mean, these days, I mean, I've quite deliberately stopped working with anyone except David because I don't, you know, I don't need to do it. And yeah. um, I've got, you know, it, beca- it became a pain to do other stuff. And it's been quiet with David for a while, so I had time on my hands and this caught my attention so better than doing nothing <laughs> so so this would i don't know about that <laughs> would this ever be anything you just kind of said that you're pretty happy doing what you're doing now but so this wouldn't be something that we would see live at some point uh, i i can't imagine it just because i mean prior to for a while i, I just was in a, in a band with some friends and we had a little bit of success and toured around a bit, but I, you know, I enjoy doing gigs, but everything else around it is a pain, and yeah. I have to put a band together, and I'm not sure I've, I'm not sure I've got the energy, well, not the energy, I'm not sure I've got the inclination to do it, it's not important enough to me. Um, I, I do all of this because I like it, and I like sitting in, sitting at home in my studio making bits of music, that's what I enjoy. How did you start as a musician first? I mean, were you a schoolboy who, you know, you wanted to meet girls, and this is kind of the way the the, <laughs> in, the inroad? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I just, well, yeah, girls. No, I went to a boys' school. That was a cruel and unusual punishment. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I just, you know, I love music, and I just, my dad was a was a player. He was a musician. He'd been, he played a bit of jazz in his time, and he taught me to play mm. guitar and and, you know, and I've, I've been a bad guitarist ever since, really, so... 
<laughs> and working in the studio just seemed like I didn't, you know, I didn't know what to do with myself when I was leaving school and didn't want to go, didn't fancy going to college. And I ended up getting a job in the studio and, and, and loved it, you know, so it all just led from there. I remember reading somewhere that you saw Pink Floyd perform Dark Side of the Moon in, I think it was 74 at Wembley Stadium. You were, what, 15, 16 years old. What effect did that have on you? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, oddly, I I don't equate a detailed memory of it. It was a long time ago, but except that it was all on the scale that was sort of almost slightly bewildering. You know, I'd never seen a stadium gig before, and... Um, I wasn't actually that familiar with their music. I mean, it was just like, you know, this is an interesting gig to go for. So it was all a bit... So, yeah, it's very odd that that was the one that I ended up mixing for... It's the Dark Side Live at Wembley one that's just come just come out on the, on the reissue. So very odd that that was a sort of full circle in that, really. Yes, sir. And and uh, how did you find out? Uh, what do you remember about finding out that you would be doing some studio work with the band? Well, James Guthrie, who I had worked with um, when I started out in in the commercial recording studio I worked with, had gone on to do the Wall album, and uh, and it was it was he that recruited me. He needed extra people to um, do the help with the Wall film with the movie uh, and you recruited me in and then I just stayed <laughs> yeah. just carried on never been there ever since really so it, it was you know I was familiar with what was going on anyway because I was in touch with James and, and uh, obviously it was a really interesting opportunity to, to branch out and leave the studio where I was working and go and work for a band that I really liked so which I regard myself as incredibly fortunate that I ended up having a career with a band I really like, because a lot of people end up working with stuff they don't like. (laughs) (laughs) You work in this very unusual, and I've seen, I've only seen pictures of it, but David Gilmore's Astoria houseboat studio. What kind of a scene is that? Because it looks beautiful in there. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. I mean, oddly, having said that, it's kind of, because of the change of technology, um, we don't go there very much uh, because, you know, all you need is a computer um, now. So David will, David will tend to work at home much more. And then if I'm getting involved, I work at home. And it's only when we come together at certain times, you know, to finish mixes and things like that, that we'll go there. So it's very underutilized these days, um, which is you know, because of the democratization of technology. Um, but having said that, I mean, all that we know, I did a huge amount of work there. And as far as recording studios go, it's absolutely fabulous. Most of them are, you know, concrete boxes with no windows. Yeah. And you're in this beautiful location. So it was fantastic. Yeah, very inspirational. Uh, by the way, when I listen to your music, like, for instance, 73 Days at Sea, I can't help but think of Peter Gabriel in his early Genesis days. Is that a pretty uh, fair assessment? Because it's really great. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, that's that's one of my formative bits of music, really. I mean, you know, the the stuff that you really attach to is is the music that happened when you were whatever, you know. 15 through 25 or whatever it is so and that was very much my music and yeah i mean 
that Gabriel era of Genesis. I mean, I still listen to it, frankly, yes. on and off, you know. So, I mean, I, I, I'm very flattered by that. I mean, I think I mean, Peter is an incredible talent. And right. the way he explored and reinvented endlessly after in his solo career is, is a fantastic inspiration, I think. So it's a very flattering thing to say. And certainly deserved. Uh, what do you have coming up this year? Because you, you kind of laid it out that you're very happy doing what you're doing and working with David occasionally, but what is happening? Uh, well, I'm already on the next one of my own stuff. Um, I scarcely put this one down and finished it before something else caught my eye, uh-huh. which is the whole thing about artificial intelligence and the possibilities that has opened up about doing doing something I hadn't done before right. uh, and, a, and a topic to write about as well. So um, I'm working on another one which has singing on it this time, not by me. Um, and I'll, I'm going to be a deliberately slightly oblique about that at the moment because it's, that's part of, the, part of the interest of the project. Um, and I don't know, if baby clones me up and says, let's do this, then I'll go do it. Um, I mean, I spoke to him. I speak to him periodically. Spoke to him about a week ago, but it wasn't. It was about something else. Um, and yeah, I mean, he he continues to make music gradually, and so at some point we might get to the point of trying to finish one. I don't know. We'll Good see. to hear. Uh, Andy Jackson's new solo project, Twelve Half Steps, is out May twenty sixth. Then is available for pre order at CherryCreekRed.co.uk. Andy, a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, to be a fly on the wall to see what he saw while working with Pink Floyd. I mean, he spent a lot more time with them even than did Alan Parsons. Just amazing. What a life. That finishes this episode of the Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. 